I'm Nels Anderson. And I'm Jesse Turner. And I'm Keith Godry. And welcome to Terminal 7. Here we are! Hey, how's it going? Episode 34. Episode 34. How's it going, Nels? I'm good. How are you, Jesse? I'm good. You're Tired. back. I'm back. From your fact-finding mission in Japan. I know. Fact-finding. Facts are. The place is awesome. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible bout of food poisoning. Um, see, my fault. <laughs> see, see what you should have done is got cloned before you went, had the clone yep. eat all the food you were going to eat, yep. and then they got sick, you know, you don't eat it. Yeah, I know. That would have been... That been the, that's what I should have done, but I didn't. But yes, Japan's amazing, so thank you, and I'm back. Yes. Uh, it has been a while. Apologies for yeah, everyone. We, that... We're both traveling a bunch, we're both trying to finish games, so yeah, we do not have I don't... as much time as we wish we this did. This cast is actually about what what is a Netrunner again? I don't, <laughs> what, I don't I've what forgotten. What is run cards? <laughs> um, we have a cool guest I know. as well. Who do we have? Who's here? Who are you? Hey, I'm Keith. <laughs> this is our buddy Keith. That's right, Keeth. Keith is another big player here in the Vancouver Netrunner meta, I guess, scene. Sure. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Went to Worlds with our good friend Brody. Yes. Did nowhere near as well, but did go, yes. Yeah, you see, I mean, you're still, what, like 30-somethings? Oh, 70. Oh. Yeah. I was still like 200 people. That's <laughs> not bad. They also pit you against Brody pretty quick. Oh, yeah. yeah Third what? round, Brody and I get paired. Third oh, yeah. round. What's cool. going on? There's 200 people. Yeah. All the two people that practice against each other a whole bunch. Yeah, exactly. They should play. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so 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 what do we what do we want to talk to Keith today about? I thought it would be interesting because timely. Mm -hmm. um, if this comes out when I think it should, uh, the upcoming weekend, August fifteenth, is going to be the Canadian Nationals. Yeah, the U.S. Even though they technically call it the North American, it's the U.S. The U.S. <laughs> Nationals was at Gen Con last weekend. Mm -hmm. Last weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. which is cool. Um, but we have our own syrup-scented nationals <laughs> here in Vancouver, even. That's right. Which is probably yeah. the reason why any of us were able to go. Yep. Because it's, yep. it's just down the If it was in Toronto, so. Keith, would you have gone? No. I would not have No. Toronto, no. Toronto's a little bit I'm going to travel away. across the continent. It's going to be for worlds, not nationals. Correct. There you go. <laughs> uh, but we were lucky enough. The the company that... The, the FFG distributor here in Canada, Lime Rampant, who's in charge of all the, their organized play events for all their games, they decided to make the, I think, very cool call this year to kind of move their nationals around. Mm -hmm. So there are some that are still in Toronto for some of the other games. Like, I think X-Wing is out there. I think so. Yeah. Um, and actually, Star Wars is here, but X-Wing yeah, is there. The, the Star yeah, Wars card game yeah, is here. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. They split all the uh, organized play for Fantasy Flight basically in half, I think, between the two events. Yeah, oh, which is really cool. And yep. so maybe next year, like, it'll, the Netrunner Canadian Nationals will be in, like, Montreal right. or Palifax or something. Yeah, hopefully they keep rotating like that. Yeah, It'd be that'd good be really to get cool. more of... The country involved. Yeah. yeah. New blood. But if for some reason you didn't know that and you are in or close to Vancouver, it's not too late. Yep. You can still come. It is going to be Saturday the 15th at the Anime Revolution Convention. Yeah. Which, at the big, mm -hmm. big fat center down on the waterfront. Yeah. Can't be, miss it. It will be very cozy. You just you just follow people with the bunny ears and the green hair. Yep. And yep. you show up and play some Netrunner. Or, or where the Easter rabbit lives. I don't know. Or, or you'll end up, or you'll end up yeah. there. Both, or you'll end up. both times you can have a good time. Yeah, either way. Um, but given that, the Canadian Nationals looms. And then there's also a bunch of the um, the a &R Pro Circuit. There's a bunch of those events. We hosted one last weekend. Right, which was right. Super mm -hmm. fun. Um, you know, the, the like final versions of those are going to be coming up soon. And obviously not, before, not too long after that, we have the Netrunner Worlds in November in Roseville, Minnesota. Um, <laughs> so given that, we thought it would be interesting today to talk about like how you get prepared for a big event like like a big regionals or nationals or worlds or whatever or maybe like in your area folks are spinning up a league for like the next four to six weeks just kind of like what is this like how do you figure out like what sort of decks you want to play how right. do you actually get ready to go there that kind of stuff and if there's a guy that is very good at preparing that's definitely our man keith here correct uh, I try certainly. But, You're always uh, prepared. Keith. Yeah, always true. Prepared. Over prepared. Usually You're like, like seven decks. Boy Scout. Seven yeah. decks. <laughs> seven that's, decks. That's... Like five minutes in before writing your deck list. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you just you make seven, and then you just roll a seven sided die because those much. definitely exist. Yep. And then you just pick one, right? Exactly. Cool. Well, that yeah, was it. Cool. Then, Thank you very much for up, turning uh, into this episode of this yep. podcast. <laughs> um, but no, as so the the we were all at the VC regionals recently, so like. Getting ready for that as a place to start, like, 
Keith, what did what did you do to kind of like what? Well, okay, so what next did you bring to our most recent big event? For the regionals? recent regionals, I brought a generic prepaid Kate deck, so the meta standard right now for runners, as well as a Blue Sun Glacier No Kill No Bad Pub deck. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, Clean. so why did you pick those two in particular? Let's start with the runner one first. Why okay. did you pick? Why did you pick our old pal Kate? <laughs> prepaid Kate right now is it's hard to say. One hundred percent the best. Yeah. <laughs> There's. It's just consistent, it's powerful, it has all the answers, it's rich, it's fast. There's, honestly, if you're trying to win, there's very little reason not to play it, unless you're very, very strong with another deck. So, so I mean, let's dig into that a little bit more. Like, why, is it just, is part of it just because it doesn't really have any bad matchups? Like, is, is part of the strength is just that it's, like, really flexible? Yeah, that is one of the strengths. I mean, it's weakest point right now is that it requires recursion for a number of its breakers. Mm. Um... And while there's some more recursion hate coming out, it's hard for a lot of decks these days to fit in that recursion hate, like Blacklist or Chronos Project. Mm. Um, and even so, she can play around it pretty well. Right. Um, as well as the fact that the things that are good against her are terrible against Anarch. So <laughs> all the corporations right now are really split between dealing with these two uh, powerhouses. Right. Yeah. Is there a reason that you didn't go like red, say? Because you, you were expecting to see a lot of prepaid Kate there because it's a pretty strong deck, or... Uh, yeah, I was expecting to see some prepaid hate, especially the top tables for sure. Um, I didn't go with red just because I've had a lot of problems with red in the past. Red has been my favorite faction to play bar none, but every time I take it to a tournament, the inherent inconsistency <laughs> in Anarch. <laughs> just bites? Just, yeah. You just get pinched by it? Pretty much. Double-edged sword. Um, so I wanted something I could rely on a little more because the corporation deck I took... Um, commonly known as Boot Camp Blue Sun. Um, so maybe you can explain this to me. Yep. So usually in the quote-unquote Boot Camp Blue Sun, there's yep. only like one copy of Executive Boot Camp. Two, usually, at okay, least. Okay, two. And it doesn't seem that important? It's actually really important. Um, okay, so, so tell me about this. We'll, we'll get a little tiny micro deck tech <laughs> about the Boot Campness <laughs> of this deck before we talk about why you picked it at all. Okay, so Boot Camp Blue Sun... Um, basically uses the inherent ability of Blue Sun to run giant pieces of ice to build huge ice forts out of it and just economically outpower the runner. Right. Um, Boot Camp is very good for it, um, not only because you can use the first ability of Executive Boot Camp, which is to res ice at the beginning of your turn for one credit less than its res cost. Um, that's good because it lets you get all this ice up for cheaper, as well as pick up anything uh, that's in the wrong spot for that particular point in time. Um, using Blue Sun's ability immediately after. Right, okay. But you can also use the second ability, which is Trash It for one credit, um, to search your deck for an asset. Right. In this case, normally, you can grab uh, either IT Department or Jackson Howard, but usually you're going for Adonis Campaign first. Your one Adonis Campaign that you have in Blue Sun, Mm -hmm. because every time it gets low on credits, you pick it back up with Blue Sun's ability, get your refund, and install it again, just for Mm. a free... uh, Three credits every turn, basically. Right. right. And you also run uh, Oaktown Reno in that deck. Is that correct? Yeah, that was... So, the pack with Oaktown, Oaktown Reno... Underway. Underway, Underway yes, so came yeah. out so, the so, week yeah, before. We, we Reno is... Right, Reno's the mean one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in a little bit, we'll talk about sometimes the surprises that can happen with things becoming available just before <laughs> like a big the, the day yeah. before? Always? Correct. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, continue, we don't want to derail yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this agenda came out right before, and it is... 100% perfect for Blue Sun's strategy in this case, because whenever Blue Sun installs and fans something, in this case, because I'm not playing a kill or a trappy deck, you know it's an agenda. Mm. So installing it face up doesn't really matter. Right. They Love just it. know it's not an NAPD. Right. <laughs> um, and getting the money back, because scoring, finding a scoring window where you can also res all your giant ice is difficult. Being able to get the money back as you score this uh, agenda is fantastic. Mm. It's one of the strongest agendas for Wayland to come out in a long time. Right. Very cool. Yeah. So, why did you why did you pick that deck in particular? That deck was a bit of a different call than the Kate deck. The Kate deck I picked because it was very good for the meta and a very strong deck. This deck I picked because Blue Sun has been my baby since it came out. <laughs> <laughs> it was released a month before Worlds last year, right. and I played it for a month straight so I could take it to Worlds because I love the ability. So much fun. And I felt it was inherently strong. Right. And so with months of Blue Sun practice of various archetypes under my belt, I felt that this was the strongest at the time. And even if it wasn't necessarily the best deck in the meta, 
it was strong and I knew how to play it. Uh -huh. And oftentimes that's more important. Right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but I still maintain it's true that like someone who doesn't really, who has less experience playing like a quote unquote great deck will probably not do as well as someone who has a ton of experience playing a quote-unquote less good deck but they're comfortable like, yeah exactly. oh 100 there was a game night kit a couple weeks ago where i took an rp that i almost card for card copied from a turn another tournament with deck list right. and rp is still one of the power hoses right now yeah um it went two and two and then i took a nasir deck that i hadn't played that much but i've played a lot of nasir so right. all the tricks and weirdness with his ability um I'm really familiar with, and yeah. that went four and zero. Kid, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I just like kind of the fundamentals of the game, especially given that like it has this. The game has an action economy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes kind of like some in some other competitive card games, like you can end up with decks that kind of sort of play themselves, yep. just because it's like, oh, you just play the things that show up in your hand, and the deck is built in a way that like whatever shows up in your hand is going to be good and that's <laughs> kind of it um but given that you have this inherent limitation of a, of an action economy where it's like well on your turn you can only do three things and e choosing to do any one of those is boxing out a million other things you could potentially be doing yeah exactly um, and then it seems like being able to kind of know the matchups is also really important like i'm playing as an anarch they only have one credit and they're down to, and they just have two cards in their hand can I actually reasonably try to score an agenda next turn? Mm, you need to know that, right? Yeah, a lot of the threats, you have to know how to respond to them. because Yeah, and knowing what your deck can do in those situations yep. seems like a thing that really you can only get out of playing it a bunch. Yeah, for example, in the Blue Sun deck, uh, well, a big piece of your economy is playing Oversight AI on a curtain wall and then picking it back up for 14 credits. Right. Um, but you're sitting across from Anarch, all they have to do is install a David yep. to get rid of that for you. And they love insulting David to get rid of your curtain balls. Uh, so playing Anarch matchups, of whether it's Noise or Valencia or the Wizard that was hot at the time, right. um, you really got to get a feel for when it's safe to curtain wall or when you can use it as a distraction for a score or when you can, mm. or when you have to protect it if you need that money. Right. If you have to like, if you want the curtain wall money, your best bet might actually be to like install a lotus field in front of it whereas yeah. the curtain wall behind it even though it's not going to have its crazy 10 strength you know that anarch is probably going to have some trouble getting through a lotus field exactly and a lot of those tricks aren't obvious the first time you play a deck right the, the nuances to playing to the strengths and weaknesses of the deck right. are incredibly important yeah so it's, it's it feels like kind of the most important thing above anything else is like pick a deck you're comfortable with which yep. probably means like deciding at least from a, from some subset of things mm -hmm. well in advance of the event, right? Yeah, that's definitely important. Um, it gets harder when things are released right before tournaments, which seems to be happening a lot <laughs> yeah. these days. But uh, generally, you don't want to take a tournament a deck to the tournament for the first time if you're trying to do well. Right. Um, it's got to be something. I really like it when. I have to write down my deck list by hand before the tournament. Mm. People, a lot of people find it annoying, but I find it's a really good reminder and a way to remember what's exactly in your deck. So if mm. you're looking for this answer, you wrote it down, you know what's in there. Mm. Um, Interesting. And with things like my Blue Sun deck that I've played forever, when I wrote it down at uh, regionals, I didn't have to look through my deck. I did it all from memory. <laughs> Double-checked it, and yeah, I'm right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, could I have done that? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm um, running running Blue Sun. Is there like a point as the runner that you've seen that they realize like, oh, he's not trying to kill me. He's just trying to win the game. Um, or or can you still kind of muscle like, hey, guess what? I'm I'm big scrappy Whalen and I can blow up your house. Like, can you can you? Yeah, can... basically the only thing that really 100% gives it away is Ash. Sure. Usually yeah. you yeah. don't have the influence Ooh. for Ash and Min Seasons or Sea Source. Right. Um, so once you see that, you can be pretty sure that they're not trying to kill you. Um, another giveaway is often for what they're going to throw at you is NAPD because mm. NAPD means they're probably not going to use any of Blue Sun's bad publicity True. or mm. the Wayland's bad publicity. Like the, yeah, posted yeah. bounty or something like that. Now, posted bounty's a little different because it should be you're detailed. tagging them. <laughs> yeah, they may have a, a bad publicity, but they're probably going to die. Unless they're saved by a lucky I've had worse or something or something. Yeah, right. But uh, that gives you a, a hint that they're trying to tax you out and not. Uh, get a quick economic advantage. Hmm. 
Interesting. That makes sense. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. speaking of, so this is definitely a thing that can sometimes throw a little bit of wrench in the gears is when new cards become available like <laughs> days or singular day before an event. Yeah. Which I, I think we... So we definitely had this for our original. Yep. Um, Underway just, showed up... Basically showed up in stores on Friday. Yeah, literally the day before. Yeah, and our event was on Saturday. So... Yep. so uh, but I, I'm not sure. Like, so in in the, in regard to that, like, I very briefly flirted with because I mean, obviously, stuff gets spoiled like at least mm-hmm. a week before, so you kind of know it's going to show up. And especially be like, because we're in Canada, the states will get it probably first, a week before. Yeah. A week before yeah. yeah. So it ends up being like, okay, well, it's like, okay, if this shows up, I might sub out X for Y. Um, but obviously, Jesse, you just went all in. Oh, in, in, yeah. in your mono draft. <laughs> I was really, really tired now. So you gotta... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was. it was a mess. Uh, it was, I think it was kind of interesting because, like, again, like, it's... I, 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 I do miss getting as crunched into the game as I as I have been before, but you're just, like, you're just blown out for, for making a game and you get home and you have three decks and the thing's tomorrow morning and you have the booster you just bought and you're like, well, between all this garbage, I can semblance... <laughs> something, something. <laughs> sure so that really the com- comfort level wasn't there um but, I, but it's kind of strange because uh, people kind of know my style of play and everyone's like worried about something right or some <laughs> kind of weird jank that i bring so right. I, I so it's but but again i, I going to a, a like uh, seattle or something i don't have that right i don't have that players don't don't respect the weirdness that i bring and <laughs> right. they usually end up hammering me <laughs> but yeah yeah well, I mean, so given given the the underway came out like the day before our regional, Keith, did you were there any last? Okay, so you did sub out Oaktown. Yeah, I took out Corporate War for Oaktown Grid. Mm, nice. Very similar. Oaktown's just straight up better, in my opinion. For Wayland in that setup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but beyond was, that, was that I the only change you made? that's the only change I made mm. for either deck mm. um, because I've been practicing with them. I knew what they were, and right. I felt that it was better for me to have. A strong core and play to my strengths, right? And just rely on my strength of play to pull me through, as opposed to surprises. That's right. Cool. I, it kind of reminds me of when um, Honor and Profit came out right before a big tournament, and then yeah. like the Chicago Silhouette one, yeah, with, with Central Only Breakers, right? And course complete, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was it was just it was in this one box. It was this one box card. There's so much cards that people were, just, were not ready for it. Yeah, because it was right. a lot and it's of cards. never won a tournament again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, it's beautiful. It just pops up and it pops down. It was, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> no, there is something to be said for uh, a surprise. Um, yeah. Something I had included in my deck as well from a pack before that uh, was Blacklist. Right. Yeah. With all the recursion in the meta right now, pulling out a Blacklist at an opportune time is fantastic. Right. And it won me multiple games against. Shapers who are very strong with their deck and know how to play their deck, but right. weren't prepared for this very specific right. threat. Yeah, they they it, yeah. they if, need the heap, right? Yeah, if yeah. both copies of Lady are in the bin, <laughs> you just res a blacklist behind the nice wall. wall. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> love it. Okay, I guess that's I guess we're done now. Yep. I'm packing it up. Um, similarly, uh, <laughs> the wind seemed to be blowing in the direction of old Hollywood coming out like. A day before the Canadian Nationals, yeah. and thus being legal for that event. Yeah. yeah. So there's even more that will upset the meta in that. Yeah. Um, so not only do we have, are we? Do you want to talk about the specific cards, or just talk about how? You sure, want to I mean, we can talk about the. We can talk about a, a couple like in the. How would this affect the decision you make? Sure, because it yeah. is getting prepared for tournaments. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the big one that people know is coming is Film Critic. Right. Which is going to. Hurt a lot of the top corps. Yeah, butcher shop. Can can yeah. you just do you give us a quick refresher on? Yeah, so film critic is a shaper resource, zero install, one influence. When you access an agenda, you may host that agenda on film critic uh-huh. instead of stealing it. Yeah. And then afterwards, you may spend two clicks to move the agenda from film critic into your score area yeah. without triggering the scored window. Yes. So technically, you have scored that agenda without actually suffering any of the when you score blah 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 stuff mm-hmm. right um yeah which means like fetals or something yeah so you won't take the damage from fetal you will take the Initial actually access? i'm not sure what the yeah it says when accessed you can move it onto film critic at which oh so trigger at the no same time so, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah oh cool. so, okay so technically if we, if we want to get super nuanced about it <laughs> If it's the runner's turn, yes, and they access fetal, they don't take the damage. If yep. it's the corporation's turn and they're touching a fetal for some reason, say mm-hmm. 
an offer you can't refuse or just like a gang sign access or whatever, mm -hmm. then the damage still happens. Yes. And then they can film credit yeah. it without having to pay at least. But yeah it, yeah, it means you don't have to pay for NAPDs. NAPDs. You don't have to side game Future for, Perfect. For, oh my perfect. God. <laughs> uh, you don't Correct. have to leave yourself open to mid-seasons or punitive. Yes. Because you didn't technically score yeah, it. You uh, just yeah. placed it in your scoring at being, at And that, yeah. that TGBT... Forget yep. it. No tag, even. <laughs> it, it, it was just too good. Like, uh, so that it was too good was. to be too good to be true, <laughs> <laughs> or something. Cool. Um, influence wise, what was it? One influence. One influence. And you so see it everywhere. Yeah. Cool, cool. So it can show up anywhere. And of yep. course, yeah, as Keith was saying, like a ton of the big decks right now mm -hmm. rely on either the hard stealability of <laughs> Future Perfect, yep. or mid seasons mid -seasons, to just round somebody that's... in tags and blow yep. them up, or whatever. Butcher so, Shop and Replicating Perfection are two of, the power house, two of the powerhouses right now. Yeah. And guess which two archetypes are hosed by Film <laughs> yes. Critic. Very so cool. things are really being shaken up on the corpse side. Yeah. But then, but then you have to think, it's like, okay, well, how many... But this is one of those cards that, like, the individual effect is obviously mm -hmm. huge. Yes. But then there's, like, the, oh, will people be able to get it set up quickly in time? Because mm -hmm. if you're not playing hostage you don't really have any connection tutors yep. so if they don't like see film critic until like turn 14 mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't matter right yep. um but yeah it's definitely like it's one of those things that it's like those kind of dynamics can only really shake out with a bunch of play mm -hmm. and you can't really play it a bunch yet i mean you yep. can proxy it technically this this kind of reminds me a little bit when when clot started happening yeah, yeah. And everybody was like okay clot's going to be all over the tournament scene and all of a sudden, NBN's hosed, or this score in one turn, and 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 any deck that's doing that, biotic labor, like you're just screwed. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't really stick. But this um, is probably a stronger effect, would you say? I actually would say Clot is a much stronger effect. Okay. It's a way bigger effect right. on... Just not enough people run it, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not enough people run it, and there's not enough decks that can really leverage it. Sure. As well as, say, a Shaper deck with three SMCs and three clone chips. Yep. No. Um... <laughs> And, but I do think that Clot affected Fast Advance more than Film Critic will affect, say, RP. Because mm. Fast Advance is uh, Fast Robiotics' only plan, the only way it scores. Right, right. Um, whereas RP still has the, I can just make it hard for you to get in my server's play. Yeah. You still have to access the agenda. Right, yeah. Right, um, right. So it's really interesting to see what will happen with Film Critic. Yeah. Um, and exactly how much it affects the meta and it's honestly something i have no idea how to deal with right now yeah i don't either <laughs> I, 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 I'm so if, uh, film creates a resource a con connection i'm assuming yep. yes um i blow it up where does this agenda go it just goes back into the corporation's bin it just goes into the archives it goes in archive yep. okay, okay it's the same kind of thing where it's like if you had a card hosted on a scored glen station and it blows up Got then it. you like for some insane reason <laughs> sacrifice that to archer or something it goes um, in, yep. goes in then the trash. Okay, card cool. goes yeah. in the bin. Yeah. So, wow, so that's if, if they even steal, if they if they do steal something and put it on film critic, you do technically still have a tiny window yeah, to, to blow grab. up that film yes. critic, <laughs> blow them up. Yeah. Or maybe maybe hire your contract killer. That is and an then option just as well. Shoot that beret wearing knob. Yeah. Yep. And then your agenda just goes back in your bin where they can just run it and steal it and that's, again. That's so, when the that's when Jackson comes yeah. and he's like, "This is how it works, baby." Yeah. Or but if you put it back in the bin, it open and they steal it normally because you they don't have a film critic anymore. Right. You just then, mid then you can do mid seasons. Yes, finally we can yeah. mid seasons. Yeah. Cool. But it definitely. Yeah, it's interesting that. Yeah. So I don't. So with regard to that, do you just try because kind of your ability to play with that stuff online on Octagon is just limited by, is is it implemented yet? And yep. at least as of today, Old Hollywood is not implemented yet. So yep. you can't play it on Octagon or I think Jinteki.net. So then it's just like, well, do you just play it in person with some like weird proxies to try to practice against it? I mean, Maybe? if you really, if you really want to do well in tournaments, one of the best things you can do is get a small competitive play group that just practice together, trains together, you learn, you take turns learning all the top decks, so you can practice your deck against other top decks, right. and just talk shop and strategy with them. Um, some of the best decks to come out recently are from little groups like that of mm -hmm. three or four players that play together all the time. Right. Um, that'll help you test these things ahead of time and uh, figure out the strengths and weaknesses of the decks without actually having to go to a tournament. Right. Um, how hilarious is it when you get paired up against uh, 
like a person in your group. <laughs> like, I, 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 I seem to remember a small anecdote that you had that when you were against Brody and you knew he yeah. was playing an Enigma first turn. You're like, oh yeah, the play. We're in a tournament. I know exactly what you're doing. I've been playing with you for months. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's you learn someone's Tell little us. quirks of their play. Sure, right. sure. Like Brody back when he played uh, uh, Fast Advance, he would love to against an anarch second turn enigma with an agenda behind it to get right. that first aster script yeah, because i was playing noise at the time and the chances that noise is going to be able to deal with an enigma one turn two are pretty slim right right, right. yeah um, <laughs> did you get your one copy of yog in your opening hand <laughs> no yeah. okay well then nope i guess yep so you learn these things and then oftentimes he would do that and it wasn't actually the Astro Perfect. because he knew I would yeah, expect it. And you definitely. get this whole meta game, this <laughs> right. two-person meta uh, that could really warp your play a little bit. But <laughs> as long as you keep it in mind that you know you're doing this because it's the right play versus you're doing it because this is this person, <laughs> right. you can still learn from these matches. Right. 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 <laughs> well, it seems like is the, is so it's not just the decks that you want to play, but it seems like also a big factor is what you think you're going to be playing against. Yeah. Um, like we said earlier with the decks you're familiar with and playing the ones you've played before, um, knowing all those little tricks to deal with all the little threats, how you deal with David recursion, how you deal with uh, clot. Right. Um, playing those matchups are incredibly important to learning how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And just kind of maybe even deciding some of your, the what deck am I going to take choices on? What's the stuff that I think is going to show up a lot? Yeah. Um, one of the benefits I have in this little Vancouver meta, is in a lot of the tournaments, if I know who's going to show up, I can kind of tell who's going to be the top three, four people. Right. Um, and I generally know what they're going to be bringing on the day of. <laughs> so <laughs> that's I actually, really, really... You're just specking against the, 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 the top players. <laughs> if you really want to win, that's what you do. Right. Basically, I think one of the biggest, biggest things you can do when you go to a tournament, if you want to get the most out of it, is decide exactly what you want out of it. Right. Mm. Um... And that's one of three things in my mind. You just want to play. That's where I started. That's where everyone started. Tournaments are a fantastic way just to play Netrunner. Yeah. You just take mm. the decks you enjoy, whatever you're playing right now, and go play a couple rounds yeah. against people. And it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the upside of any Swiss format is that, like, you're, even, if, even if you're not the best player in the world or whatever, like, after one or two rounds, you basically get filtered down into, like, people are doing about as well as you. Oh, yeah. So you're still just going to play a bunch of really fun games against people you don't normally play against, playing decks you probably don't normally play against. And yeah. that alone is, is awesome. Yeah. yeah, even when you're not doing well, you're going to get matched against people who are doing about the same as you. So you end up with these really tense rounds no matter where you are in the Swiss brackets yeah. later on. I, I, I love it because every table, no matter if it's top table or end table, there is something going on that's amazing and that will draw a crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it will draw something, which is very, very cool. Yeah. So the other thing you can... Another thing you can choose to get out of the tournament is you just want to do well. You're not aiming for one, you're just doing as well as you can. Right. And in this case, it's very important to just play a deck you know. Because mm -hmm. um, you're going to get, if you're in the middle brackets, you're going to get hit by the odd out of left field jank deck. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and doing well. That's Jesse's job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to hamstring someone to make them like I, I, I'm the crab in the bucket. I just like I pull them down from the top and I'm like, yeah, you gotta, pinchers. That, that, that's right. You gotta hang out with us now. <laughs> but yeah, having a deck that when you're faced against who knows what that you know how to play is huge. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty good intermediate step between just playing for fun and playing to win. Um, now, when you want to play to win, there's a lot more to take into account. That's a way bigger jump. Yeah. Than, say, just yeah. Because yeah. you have to assume that your hardest matches are going to be in the elimination or final rounds of Swiss. Right. Um, and you're going to be playing top decks against top decks and top players against top players where little decisions matter. Yeah. Um, and you have to be able to know your decks well enough that you can make it through the rounds of Swiss, do well no matter what the matching is, um, and then make it to those top tables right. to be able to play those matches you prepared for. Right. 
Um, yeah, because you don't you don't want to like tech against the people who are going to do well so much yeah. that you can't <laughs> actually do well enough to get there. Yep. Right. You're like, oh, I know these four people are always going to be playing like crazy SMC prepaid Kate. So I'm just going to build a deck that just ruins that. <laughs> yep. Oh, but then I got wrecked by criminals all day. So <laughs> never mind. I guess well, I'm just going to hang out here. Bye, guys. That's yeah. This, exactly. This was why you find yourself in a position of seeing like seven decks in front of you on your coffee table. Oh yeah. And just wondering what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's going to carry me and still be like have that extra edge at the end but it's not so sharp that it's blunt against the stuff earlier yeah it's it's a bit of a tightrope to walk and there's a lot to take into account that some days i end up bringing a ton of decks because i haven't made up my mind and then i just mm. pick something horrible because i too, don't want to think about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's it playing this year <laughs> yes i like that i like that well i mean i think that that there's also maybe some amount of like home field advantage, if you will. Because, mm -hmm. like, like it, you know, when we went down to Seattle, for example, it's like, okay, well, there's there's the four of us that went down in this car, yeah. and then a bunch of people that we've never played with before, ever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that guy's got a wizard. What flavor of wizard is he? Is he, like, the three siphon, overmind, whatever? I've probably Faust now. Yeah. Um, wizard, or is this the kind of guy who's, like, going all in on, like, net ready eyes and asset destruction and imps and that kind of, and you have no idea right but right. if you're like playing with the kind of people you've seen in events in your area before you're like i know what you usually do yeah you minx you <laughs> right <laughs> yeah interesting um so like what what other kind of things do you generally take into consideration before when you're like picking the decks you want to bring to some big event like how do you go aside from just oh, i don't know roll a dice like how do you yep. go from that seven down to like maybe two and two or maybe do you decide like okay well i know i'm gonna do this runner one so does that affect then the decision i make to corporation wise a little bit i mean with your pairings like i did at uh, regionals you'll often have one that is strong you feel and then one that is is weak whether that's because runners are currently weak in the meta or just you don't have as much practice with the prepaid gate versus your blue sun deck <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you find yourself really wanting to play this one deck but it maybe has some bad matchups you need to ensure that the other one is going to carry you because you need to have both decks right. perform to make it to top tables yeah right um and then even just, like, speed of play probably factors in there as well, right? Like, if yep. you have some, you know, even even though if you're taking your individual turns quite quickly, it's like RP can sometimes just take 30 turns to close out a game just because you've only got nine agendas, and yeah. that's just kind of how long it takes. Um, so then you probably don't want to pair that with also, like, a really slow grind-the-corporation-out runner, because then you're just not gonna you're not gonna finish two games in sixty five minutes, no matter like how quick you and your opponent are going. Yep. Um, that being said, you can bring very slow decks under the condition that you have played them to death. Right. If your turns are instant, you're probably you're gonna be fine. Regardless. You're gonna be fine because your opponent will take time, but you're taking as little time as possible. And also right. gonna screw with them because your turns are so fast. That always yeah. screws them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it is it sometimes valid like? just to kind of take a deck that might perform well against or as well as you can against anybody like often jesse you're <laughs> you're like say screw you siphon ketzel deck right it's kind of good against anybody but but it just falls apart at blue sun mm. so I, and did you just say well maybe i won't maybe play blue sun today and it'll be fine that's literally what i said yeah sometimes <laughs> Sometimes I, you make that call. Uh, right. when, after Clot came out, a lot of people were still playing faster biotics right. and doing well if they did not hit a Kate with Clot. Right. Perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. and then and I find, like I like I don't know. I, again, the big decision making is so is just nerve wracking and just crazy. <laughs> so I can just I can just roll the dice and hope I don't hit. Actually, but it was kind of dangerous because there's a lot of blue sun and yeah. that when I was doing that. But luckily there wasn't, and I was I did quite well there. Yeah. Um, but then again, I think that's also my style of play. Where uh, Keith, you 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 kind of. You kind of want flexibility, you want answers, you want to be able to respond. And I'm like, I zigged the whole tournament. And right. then all of a sudden, I, sh I, I can't even zag. Right. <laughs> so that's, I, th I think that's just like my style of uh, play, I yeah. think. And, 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 and it varies on players. But that's why I think it's very, very good we have Keith here, because Keith is a, has a, a very wide approach, and the way you focus your, your picks are always very, you're very aware of what's going on in, yeah. in both the meta and, and play styles. And 
in general. Um, what about the the current, like for nationals, for example, what do Canadian you see nationals. there? Sorry, Canadian yeah. nationals that's coming up. What can you see start popping up there, or like what like what do you what, what do you have an idea of? What's You're bringing happening? harpsichord, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, harpsichord is scary. I've played, <laughs> against, I've played tested against harpsichord. Um, for those of you, yep. just, don't, yeah, just yeah, with people proxying, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let um, us know what harpsichord does. Harpsichord is the new NBA identity coming in old Hollywood. Mm. Um, it is a 45 card minimum with 15 influence and its ability is the runner cannot steal more than one agenda per turn. But what if they put down three agendas on the table in their first turn? Well, you, you better, better, hope, you, one you of better hope you pick the Astro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. So if you just play with a lot of one pointers more than anyone plays with these days, it takes forever to score out as a runner oh, because you have to right. score on seven different turns right. if you're taking one pointers, <laughs> and that is brutal, right. especially when they're playing mid seasons. Yeah, because those, those they web works, those R and D interfaces. <laughs> yep, they don't do anything. No, nope. I mean like they do a little bit. If you leg work three Astros, only one is getting. You're only yeah. getting one. Yeah. If you yeah. demo medium them, you're only getting one out of the the bin yeah. and you access them oh man that's right if there's a crap load in the archives yep. you can still only it's pick gonna be like one five out turns turn. or six turns yep. into the garbage oh archives. weird i didn't think about that what is interesting strange yeah okay so so again the, the, hey, sorry, that's yeah. not to derail that's right yeah. but that that is one of the slower i would imagine uh decks potentially it I, can I, be. I guess unless you like uh blow them out or something well i mean the archetypes i generally played against were like the modern NEH butcher shops where mm. they have all these agendas, they get an economic advantage, they mid-seasons you, they blow you up. Right. Uh, because they have more opportunities to mid-season, you can't just rush against them once you're tagged because you can only steal one or two points a turn. Oh, right. Yikes. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. That being said, in the same pack, there's Film Critic, right. which gets around that ability and mid-seasons. Yes. Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah uh, so, sorry, yeah, you can load up Film Critic with as many as you want. No, only host oh, one. You can only do one. Okay, I see. You I see. can send the one that's on there to archives to put a new one on there. Ah, okay. Uh, oh. But you can only host one at a time. Got it, got it. But anyway, given the way the meta is now, like, yeah. what, what, what is, just as like, because obviously the way the meta is now is not going to be relevant, like even six weeks from now, yeah. but kind of the thought process one uses to decide where you arrive at is. So like, what kind of things are you thinking about right now in terms of like, okay, old Hollywood is going to come out like a day before our nationals. Yeah. What am I going to do? So... First thing I do, if we look at the runner side, um, I look at what I think are the strongest decks. Uh, Prepaid Kate, still on top. Noise with Faust is terrifying. Uh, there are some very strong Valencia players in the meta, uh, and that deck is strong because it's hard to rush against it. Mm. Um, and on the criminal side, Leela is still strong. She's yeah. not played as much, but it is still a hard ability to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so between these four, I look at which ones I'm comfortable playing, which ones I have the experience with. Um, in this case, you I, end up with Nasir. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in this case, it's Noise or Kate probably for me because those mm. are the two I've played with the most. Mm. Um, so still, like the I've played the most is still a pretty significant factor. Yeah, because I'm still picking between tier one or tier two decks. Right. These are still all very strong decks. I'm looking at. I'm not looking to bring Silhouette Quest Complete. Right. <laughs> um, Can you imagine clearing the, <laughs> the Nationals with Silhouette Quest Complete? Man, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Oh, Stimac without a field day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then once I get that general view of the field, I look at corporations. Right. Um, Right now, it's a little up in the air. Blue Sun is in a bad place because all the strong runners are good, are ba are good against it. Mm. Um, RP and NEH Butcher Shop are a little unknowns right. because you don't. They may be strong decks, but you don't know how much film critics going to affect them, how much these new cards are going to bring them down, or how prevalent they're going to be. Right. Um, and then you have some other more tested, more resilient archetypes like uh, NEH Fast Advance or Blues... Sorry, not Blue Sun. Uh, Engineering the Future Fast Advance or Engineering the Future Glacier. Right. These aren't really going to be affected by any of the cards I see coming up in Old Hollywood. Mm. So I'm honestly going to look towards these things that are more known quantities. Mm. Um, because I could just... If I make the call that I think... RP is going to be fine, and it's not. That's awful. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you, yeah. I, it was interesting because for our regionals, I, I figured, and I guess it kind of was that mm -hmm. there'd be a ton of RP. So I'm like, all right, well, I, I kind of got like two flexible slots on my Valencia deck, 
Uh, let's just go with Vamp in both of those, because yep. then I don't have to play that goddamn Psy game, and everything's great. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I didn't play a single RP the entire yeah. day. <laughs> I only played And that, that Vamp helped in, like, one game, but in all the rest of those games, I'm like, I wish those had been hacktivist meetings. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, and part of that is being able to distinguish between the local meta and the global meta. Because right. if you played in a stim hack tournament with online players, the top players from all around the world, there'd be a lot of RP at that time. Right. You play with the local players and no one here likes playing RP. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's a stigma to right. playing RP where it's slow and not fun. And it's not, that's not necessarily true, but that's how people feel about it here. Right. So I honestly wasn't that worried about RP going into the tournament because I figured there were going to be two or three people playing it and that's right. it. Yeah. I also noticed is like, so Max, like you're doing well. How many games are you going to be playing in a big tournament? Like maximum if you're in the, the elimination table. Oh, so like, like six, man. eight. How many is it? So, if a super big tournament, um, Worlds was seven rounds of Swiss last year. Seven rounds of Swiss, right. Um, and then to get to the top of the elimination of top 16, you would have to... Yo, eight. Seven? Another seven. Something like that, yeah. Something, yeah. So you're playing mid-teens number of games. Yeah. At, least it's, at least in that case, it's split over two days. Yeah, it is split over two days, but... At a smaller tournament, like our regionals, I think I played 10 games. Yeah. Right, yeah. 10 or 11 to get to the end of the day. And that is a long time. It's oh, yeah, well, I mean, we should runner. mention, you came in third at our regionals. Yeah. Yes. yes. So yes. you did, yeah, Keith did very well, so he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I we never I, played the entire day. I was no, sad about that. No, we didn't. How, how, yeah. uh, what was the turnout for the regionals? I missed that, actually. I did. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. You were there. With your, 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 with Rounds. Seven rounds. Okay. Yeah. yeah, full rounds worth, basically. So you'll probably yeah. play against seven different corporations. Probably. Yeah. Although you'll, you'll play against seven different people's corporate decks. Yes. Unless oh. you see someone again in Elimination or yeah, whatever. Yeah, which does happen a fair amount. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you will often get a non-representative sample of the field. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. so it's like luck of the draw with who you get paired against is a big deal. It's right, a, right, right. There's randomness to this. Yeah, so teching too hard against just like, it's like, okay, well, if I play against this one Argus deck, oh, they're going to get home. <laughs> <laughs> but against anybody else, it's just like, oh, these two cards are kind of going to be dead. So it's like, yeah. uh, maybe not worth like going... Like going that silver bullety. Yeah. But if you got a thing, it's like, all right, it hoses this one Argus deck, but it's still not bad against like these five other matchups. Yep. Then, like, maybe there's something good there, right? Or if, even if you don't expect to see a lot of it, if you expect to lose a lot to it. Right. If it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, if I'm against them, yep. I'm just going to get destroyed. Yep. So, okay, well, I'm, I'll put in my thing just in case. Yep. Yeah. So something we did touch upon with uh, all those games, it's a long day. Yes. And knowing your deck, again, play the decks you know because your turn's going faster and you having to think less about what to do each turn it's saves you so yeah. much energy on right, day right. of. There, the, the reason why I, I, I lost the game we uh, I played in our regionals against the loss in the dude who eventually won mm -hmm. is like I was just literally one credit short of being able to pay for a snare that would have flatlined him and yep. I would have won that game for sure. Um, and it was like, on my last turn, I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll like install a piece of ice on the archives just as like maybe a weird distraction until I can close out this other thing. It could when have been if the I, one. What if I just looked at my credit pool yep. and been like, oh, I have three credits. If he hits a snare, I will be doing great. I should really just take one more credit and not <laughs> worry about this ice yep. install. And just like, but of course it was at the end of the day during the elim elimination rounds when my brain is just like a, a, a pot of hot goop. Yeah. Um, I'm embarrassed that my uh, first game of elimination in regionals was recorded because I oh, man. <laughs> searched out a blacklist against a Max deck. With right. With all, executive boot camp. Yeah. With executive boot camp with all of Max's decoders in the heap. 
installed the blacklist and forgot to res it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. So first click the max deja vu's a yog. Right. And I just lost the chance right. to You're blow like, no, I wanted to game. res. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. But that was 100% fatigue. It's yeah. just a long day with a lot of thinking. I, right. I, I was fine. I believe I think it was Norton was saying it at one of his uh, deck talks and one of his YouTube things. He says, like, having a deck that can just pull out a crazy quick win like a fast win like a lucky win mm. is actually huge because the amount of pressure it alleviates is just so <laughs> massive right you're like okay game two first game i lucked out big yeah. deal but now i can like like it's 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 that you're gonna be able to run longer yeah yep. if you're or even just like okay now i get an extra 20 minutes to take a break yeah versus <laughs> just like finish two super hard grindy out games Okay, next round. Oh, God, we got to do this. Okay, let's do <laughs> yep. it again, I guess. Oh, God. Yeah. That is kind of part of the why, reason why I still sort of have a soft spot for Butcher Shop steps, just because, like, sometimes you can just close out the game like that. Yep. yep. And you're just like, all right, well, I'm just going to go have some water and maybe eat an apple for the next half an hour. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, and that, even though it seems like a silly thing, is, like, actually really nice. <laughs> oh, it's so important to... Uh... Just stay on top of your games throughout the day. At Worlds, Brody, in between rounds, the later rounds, when he felt a lot of pressure, yeah. would just walk outside into the Minnesota winter, right. put his headphones on, and blast, I don't know what music it was, at the top of the volume. And just, I'm sure it was Kenny G. Probably. I'm G. sure it was uh, Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> or that. <laughs> sure, yes. It's always Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, good, good. Um, but he's just, yeah, you try to talk to him, he just... Smiled, nodded, and walked away because he was trying to stay in the zone. They're, and... like, they're like goddamn rude Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, yeah, that's uh, that's good. Yeah. I'm that, uh, I mean, like just a kind of another like on the actual day of thing. I found is it like I often, even as much as I complain about it, and I still feel this way, but I do practice quite a bit on Octagon just because like. You know, I end up working late, can't always make it out to events. Like, I'm just generally a busy person, but I can find an hour between like 9 and 11 at night to play a couple of games. But digit the act of like digitizing the game means that there's a bunch of stuff you just don't have to consider. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to one event, it wasn't our regionals, I think it was something before that, um, after playing a ton on Octagon but not doing any in person play. And just like the number of times I forgot to take a credit for Desperado, humongous because it's all uh, automated yeah. on Octagon, right? <laughs> yeah. So like I remember that happened. I was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. So before I reach out, I made sure to come out to one in-person event and just be like, all right, I'm gonna figure out like just like the little almost like subconscious habits. So it's kind <laughs> of like whenever I'm playing with a Desperado deck, I put a credit on the Desperado when I say I'm gonna access before I even look at their goddamn card. I take <laughs> that credit and put it in my pool, take a token <laughs> off, put it on data suckers. So it's like here's the stuff I just do like by rote, just so I have kind of like a ritual to it and I don't forget. Because like having to rem like actively remember to remember all that stuff <laughs> is just like more mental bandwidth that you're not dedicating to like all the other complicated crap that's going on in the game, right? So the more stuff that you can just kind of like push that onto your subconscious lizard brain by just p playing a bunch in person is also like not invaluable. <laughs> no, any shortcuts you can take really help. Uh, a lot of the top players will put individual credit tokens on their pad campaigns. Right. Uh, so they remember to take them off at the beginning of their turns. Yeah. Uh, things like that that reduce the housekeeping and make sure you play everything right. Yeah. Are fantastic. Yeah. There's, I'm trying to think if there's any other like cool on the day of type tips. Eat, um, drink. Yes, yeah, that's that's sleep. Water. Yeah, yeah all, all those things for <laughs> sure. Don't, don't go do like a metal show and stay out till 4 a.m. You say that. <laughs> I had. I, he said he didn't have enough coffee on the I, day. I yeah, probably didn't. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think residue. I think I think the food, the water thing works is 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 really really important because a lot of people forget about it because they're way too in the moment. They're way too oh, yeah. hyped, and then they're gonna make it frustrated. Plus, you're everybody's a cranky when they don't eat. So yeah. Oh yeah. One of the things eat. I did before regionals and do before every big tournament that I want to do well with is go out and get to a restaurant and get a big breakfast. Mm. Uh, a lot of protein. Got a, and got just a, got a carbo load. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like, Big bowl of fettuccine <laughs> the night before. See, just like round two, just... <laughs> <laughs> you're just out. This is not a... I thought this is how this is not a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, no, what that does for me is lunches often late or don't happen in poorly run tournaments. Yeah, that um, sucks. If you get 
a good breakfast with a lot of protein, you're gonna your energy is gonna be high for a yeah. long time. Yeah, and you can just um, you can just chomp a granola bar during like a five minute downtime and and coast until you actually yep. get the dinner break. And having that, that relaxing start before the tournament instead of just rolling out of bed right into your first round just sets your mind up to yeah. start work for the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, I can't think of. I wonder if there's any. I can't really think of any other like actual on the day of type stuff. Yeah, it's all pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it is important. Like, uh, I think a, a really big thing is our what you mentioned before, Keith. Of okay, you're you're going just to play. You're going to do your best, or you're going to win. And I think that's that's that, that's a really important thing. Like, but what I've also noticed, people don't get too frustrated for getting bombed out at a tournament in Netrunner. Yeah, it's it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I ended up dead last, and this is the most fun I've ever had playing a card game. Right, like, I, that, that's actually yeah. the thing people say. And oh, I can't yeah. think of any other game where that's actually Correct. apparent. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, like, I mean, that's just kind of a thing in, in generally, too, is like, it, I, I, this parlance comes from poker, but like managing tilt, mm. where it's like, if you start to like, you just have one really bad game, like just mm-hmm. being able to be like, it happened, set it aside, because yep. if you let that like cascade into your future, because like the way, again, a Swiss tournament works, like almost nobody ever goes undefeated the entire time, right? Right. Like you can drop two or three games and you'll still be in the elimination round. Yeah. Like that's fine. You have to just be able to compart to realize that like, it's a game with some amount of chance. Like you're not supposed to win every single game. You just kind of want to win most of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like you lose one or two. That's just kind of things. That's how they're working, right? You just got to be able to like compartmentalize that, put it away, and just be like, that is how that game went. That's fine. Let me do well in my next one. Yep. Versus like getting all sour because that's just going to make your play like <laughs> it's just even keep worse. going into the toilet, right? And and, and you'll be the biggest jerk in the tournament because <laughs> there's nobody like that. There's nobody yeah. just yeah. having a horrible time. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's even more important and harder to do that when it's your own mistake. I was feeling pretty bad after I forgot to res that black. That's yeah. oh, correct. correct. Oh. Being able to walk away from mistakes like that and just realize it was a mistake, you can play better, you can do better, you yeah. won't do it next time, get back into the game and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Oh, you know what really helps? You say, whoa, misplay, whenever like you screw up, or if you don't, and the other guy's like, what? Like it's... <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of the one upside of, like, making a big, stupid mistake. Yep. Is, like, if if you got the right frame of mind, that's the only time you're ever going to make that mistake. <laughs> and you like, also have an awesome anecdote for, like, yeah. podcasts. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always a silver lining. <laughs> Sometimes the lining is all silver. I'd say coming here and talking about not being able to pay for a snare is way better than Especially Nell's All I Play is Jinteki Anderson. It's even more perfect. That was in NBN, thank you very much. Oh, okay. That's why it was so good, because it was shocking, because no one was expecting it. Yeah. But then I couldn't pay for it because I had three credits, and I was like, well... <laughs> Having a good time today. That's amazing. Here we go. Uh, yeah, sweet. Okay, cool. Um, well, Keith, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I did have one question from a reader that Great. I think would be interesting to talk about. We can all chat about it really quick. Great. Right. Okay. Thanks. 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 Listeners. It's, it's kind of sort of related to what we talked about. All right. Sort of. Um, Andy Parsons asked, what are your thoughts on Gen Con and therefore U.S. Nationals? Uh, sort of. I mean, it wasn't legal for the event, but what are your thoughts on Gen Con getting uh, Data and Destiny and um, what's the final data pack called? He says U of Tomorrow. Or is it actually Universe of Tomorrow? Universe of Tomorrow uh, ahead of the rest of the world. Take I, let's let's let Keith uh, front. Yeah. This so one. so for folks who maybe didn't know, um, right, right, yeah. Gen Con, it's the you know big North American board and card game event in Indianapolis in the summer. Uh, Fantasy Flight did a small run of the final data pack in the San Sand Cycle, Universe of Tomorrow, as well as the new big deluxe expansion, yep. Data and Destiny, which is both NBN and three mini runner factions. Chicago which, Silhouette. Which is going to happen cool. again. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Um, so for people who are at Gen Con who could get to the front of the line really fast, uh, <laughs> they could get those cards, but they still won't be distributed. They're still going to be otherwise distributed based on their normal schedule. So they're not going to be like legal for tournament events or anything like that ahead any faster than they normally would be. But there is like some cool Gen Con people who get to like physically hold the cards and play with them ahead of time. Um, I don't know if you guys had any. I, I have my own particular soapbox we can get to in a minute. But before <laughs> before that happens, I was wondering if you guys had any any thoughts, feelings about that, or just like generally people like looking ahead to all the cards that are coming out versus the cards that are actually playable now. 
from my point of view, I love this game and I get super excited about new cards. <laughs> Having a hundred new cards released on a day and just pictures of all the cards that were released for the first time at Gen Con was a ton of fun. Figuring out what you could do with them. Um, I mean, it's just the appeal of spoilers. Right. Um, but the other thing it's done is... Not the card spoilers. Yes. Because <laughs> there's a, a huge fan there's of spoilers. There's a card. Yeah. I don't think I've seen spoilers. I don't remember what it does. Um, uh, but something that's actually also done is given the competitive community, we now know basically every card that'll be out for Worlds this year. Mm. So the community that is gearing up to take Worlds seriously and do well there, they know the pool. Now right. they can start practicing and reduce the surprise factor on the day and have it come down to skill alone. Right. And deck building decisions as well. Yeah. But And a lot of people in that community really like that because it removes some of the quest complete factor right. some of the yeah. surprise yeah. so so given the current schedule probably data and destiny will be up by worlds but likely the mumbad cycle will not have started by that. correct so yeah folks can get it now and then even for the people who don't like physically possess the small bits of cardboard in their hands yeah, we can proxy we you know. can see what's coming and start thinking about it mm -hmm. okay that's interesting i hadn't i hadn't thought about that hop on that yeah. soapbox now. i mean so here so this is basically eh, it's fine like it doesn't mm -hmm. the thing that i don't like about it a little bit although i do understand the value for like getting ready for worlds or whatever is it like i it's just it's always a little bit of a bummer for me for people to be excited about the game they're going to be playing in like one to two months versus the game we're playing right now i see like there's a bunch of really cool stuff in universe of tomorrow mm -hmm. but it's already like oh what are you going to do with this atom deck it's like well i'm going to do something with it like in the end of October, like, I'm not going to be playing those cards until then, right? So it's kind of like, oh, I just want to play the game we have now and be, like, excited and into and thinking about all the stuff we have now versus, like, constantly thinking about what's over the horizon. Because it's like, well, you can't play with those cards yet. Like, they're not even legal for any event. So it's like, hey, you can burn mental calories thinking about them, I guess. But it's like, ah, I'd just rather, like, chomp on the stuff we got today. But I'm also very much a live-in-the-moment person. Like, I don't even watch trailers for the games I'm excited about, because I know I'm just going to play them, right? Like, yeah. the only thing I saw about Bloodborne was a five-second gif of some dude getting wrecked by a pig. And that was it! And I'm like, oh, that's all I need to see! I'm just going to play this game and enjoy the shit out of it That's now. about 90% of the game. So it's, it, it is humongously a huge personal preference thing. Sure. And I agree that, like, the value of knowing what's going to be in, in, kind of in the field come worlds is cool like i will admit that's useful and certainly a thing i will leverage like getting getting leading up to that event mm -hmm. but at the same time it's always it's like just just try to remember you're playing the game today <laughs> it's you're not playing the game that exists six weeks from now until six weeks from now yeah i think some people do play with spoilers or proxies of the sure. cutting cards people are already testing the manufacturing decks or the new nbn decks but i don't know i, I agree there's hundreds of cards already yeah. you can play with what you have there are viable decks yeah um there's still stuff that hasn't been explored yeah um you can still play the game without seeing all these future cards yeah i think it is like an addiction i think the idea of new cards is always like it's so oh, yeah. it's so thrilling oh, yeah, the, the appeal so, like, is there for sure they're so yeah. hungry and i think ffg kind of has to cater to us because we're a bunch of loud fans and we love their game and we love seeing more stuff from them so right. i mean that's marketing yeah it's gonna yeah. be this we're, we're, we're all the squeakiest wheels right so yeah. the grease is just their constant releases of these uh these games but i i, I do agree me playing a, a guy thing okay um i proxy together an apex deck um, let's 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 well, play around. Like, I'm kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know. I wouldn't be too too into something like that. Right. Yeah. Aside from like you know a hypothetical exercise, but sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be sitting down for like sticky notes written on cards for like the next two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at least not like just normally hanging out, chilling. Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The nature of netrunner is like to sit down and just like run some nets and stuff. Not like, okay, what are you hitting me with? I didn't read DD spoilers. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. All yeah. right. Well, that's it. All right. Um, we will hopefully be talking about old Hollywood on the next cast. Cool. We got some scheduling stuff to sort out, but if we can do it, we'll hopefully be talking about it then because it'll be out. Yep. We'll be able to do some interesting stuff there. Um, in the meantime, we are. We will also try to hopefully uh, talk to some folks who are going to come into town for Canadian Nationals. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, again, if folks hadn't heard, it's it is this upcoming Saturday, the fifteenth, 
at a crazy anime convention, so that'll be <laughs> unexpected. Nails is most excited that, about that. Ah, I, I already have a weird hat mask that I <laughs> I did not. I have searched super hard for a Quetzal wig. They're impossible to find. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Keith, thank you very yeah. much for joining us. Thanks so much, Keith. Yeah. Um, if people want to connect with you or talk to you, what, what do they do? Do you have a Twitter handle? A uh, cool Twitter handle is anti-semantic. Not um, anti-Semitic. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Well, we not that. We're, we're not releasing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Flush by <laughs> semantics. Semantic. Yeah. Important. Run yes. in a fine the line Semantics there. are important. Oh, oh, it's got layers like some yes. kind of weird onions. He's still, still running a fine line. Bold play, Keith. Yes. Um, um, so you can you can get in touch with Keith on yeah. Twitter at anti-semantic. Pretty much. Um, That's if the... you're in Vancouver... You just I'll come out to any of our nationals because yeah, yeah, Keith will be there. And he he loves talking Netrunner as oh, yeah. a parent on this podcast. Correct. <laughs> um, and as always, if you have any questions, thoughts, whatever for us, you can email us at terminal7 at idlethumbs.net. We haven't mentioned it in a long time. Jesse, what is your Twitter handle? My Oh, my Twitter handle is like at joust with an E at the end. So at J-O-U-S-T-E. Yes. If you type that in into Google Images, you can see what I draw. That's true. That's it's right. all cool. It's all cool. I did a great Bloodborne fan art. I was really happy with that one. Yeah, you did You did many of them. You did yeah. one for me on my birthday. I did, I did. It was awesome. I was wailing on some werewolf with a cane. That's right. That That's actually my super subtle way I asked. Like, so what uh, do you pistol Kane? What are you doing, Bloodborne? I had to make sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> I got ah, you. Clever. There's not a lot oh, of gears up there, devil. but they, they turned oh, yeah, the out Yeah, yeah, yeah. My first, my first character was a skill build, so. There you go. Strong. Uh, yeah, and I'm, on, I'm Nels Rimmich, N E L S O R M E N S C H. Um, of course, this podcast is at term seven. Um, and, you know, if, if you were so inclined, you're more than welcome to leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful for finding, for having other people find the cast, because that's how, like, Apple does all their weird search things. When people type in Netrunner Podcast, the more reviews we have, the more likely it is to be the first thing. So if you care, you should do that, because that'd be really nice. Um, and thank you very much to our buddy, Mr. Gordon McClattery, mm-hmm. for once again helping us record this podcast and have it sound so nice yeah and he's um, congrats because he's getting married soon that's so. right he's getting married congratulations, congratulations Gordon, to you, Gordon. caitlin caitlin you guys are the best mm-hmm. um if you oh yes and of course finally finally thank you very much to mr ed harrison for letting us use his song can soldiers from the neo tokyo ost if for some reason you've listened to 34 episodes <laughs> of that album and haven't bought it yet you should just do it because it is really good it's really good working music i use it all the damn time uh, that's at edharrison.bandcamp.com. We just didn't see I don't know if there's been a single happened. week I've been in this apartment something something without, happened. without <laughs> recognizing or recalling the destruction that happened due to one of the cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.